The journey toward our higher selves continues with conversations in the Indigo Tent. Join us on the adventure. Hi, Zella. Welcome to the Indigo Tent. Hi, Wendy. I'm so excited to be here because today we have a guest. So go ahead and introduce this very special woman in your life. Yes, we do. And today's guest is Dr. Elaine Ferguson, who I met about 10 years ago at a workshop. And we actually ended up attending a few workshops together and just had one of those immediate connections like, I've just known you before all my life or something like that. And um, she is an integrative physician. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, who was trained at Duke University mm -hmm. and has had a really interesting journey um, to understand health within the medical field. So Dr. Elaine, welcome. Hi, Wendy. Thank you for having me. We're very glad you're here with us in the tent today. Yeah, it's so, a pleasure. I'm very excited to be with you too. Bright lights. <laughs> Wonderful. So I just love uh, when you tell your story about your journey uh, through medical school and what you found and didn't find mm -hmm. in medical school that led you to where you are now. Would you share with us? Sure, I'll share a few highlights. I am a baby boomer. So I grew up, yeah, woo, woo. Yeah, I grew up watching TV doctors who I believe were true examples of physicians. I decided when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be a pediatrician. I felt now looking back on it, I, I remember the day, the time where I was and how it happened. And I literally feel now that my soul spoke through me and said, I want to be a pediatrician. And that's what I stuck with. So I went to medical school very optimistic, very idealistic, which most medical students enter with that a high level of idealism and wanting to make a difference, wanting to be a service, wanting to help humanity. And it was a quick, fast, rude awakening to the realities of allopathic medicine. And long story short, it basically, the, the educational process is very tortuous, it's very intense, and it's very stressful. It's designed to do that. And it literally beats your humanity out of you as much as, as, much as it, it can. I, I hate to say it like that, but that's the truth. And very early on, I made a decision. I have to maintain my humanity. This is not gonna work. And the other thing that I remember so clearly about medical school, I kept waiting for the health lecture. Like I was looking on a curriculum like every semester, like where's the lecture about health? You know? And it never happened. But you know, I remember so clearly my first semester being utterly amazed at how phenomenal the human body really is. It's such an, a magnificent creation in terms of its physiology, in terms of how it functions. I also had a few other episodes or experiences that made me want to know about how the spirit interacts with the soul, which was not on the curriculum either. But it, I, my, my curiosity was piqued and 
I saw things happen with patients that were could be called miracles and nobody wanted to talk about in terms of the spontaneous regeneration of, of, of organs and the disappearance of cancers and you know, miracles in, in that line. So seeds were planted in myself because of those experiences. And I did my residency at the University of Chicago and miracles continue to happen that nobody wanted to talk about and other experiences that just led me to know as soon as I wanted to practice that I couldn't do it. I mean, I knew very early on, I could not practice allopathic Western medicine that I would lose my mind because I knew there had to be more for my patients. So when I was in medical school, my dad, bless his heart, started taking vitamins and he would tell me, I'm taking these vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E, I have so much more energy and I'm feeling better. And I kind of disregarded it. I thought it might've been placebo, but there was something that was going on with my dad that was quite pertinent to my, to my path. So I started taking vitamins when I was a resident, which really helped me in terms of endurance and, and strength to go, get through that very, very challenging, physically challenging experience. So when I wanted to practice, I just knew I had to do something different. And I began exploring what then was called alternative medicine, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, healing touch. I always had this fascination about the Bible in terms of the, the lessons and the stories of Jesus healing through touch. And yeah. I was just open to something more than practicing, than practicing medicine in terms of recommending drugs and surgery. And that was it. <laughs> that just wasn't going to work for me. So it's been quite an adventure for, for the course of my career, because I'm still a student. I'm still learning. I never stop learning. It's, that's the joy of the journey. And as I said, what I learned in medical school, what spiked, sparked my curiosity about how amazing the body is. I was, we were taught as a machine. No, it is such a magnificent creation. And we weren't taught about the mind. I really wanted to know how, well, how does the mind interact with the body? And that wasn't forthcoming as well. Or let's not even say the S word, spirituality. <laughs> you know, where that just doesn't exist. And you know, we were also taught to be very distant and objective regarding how we interacted with our patients. And that just did not work for me. I had to be the person, the doctor I wanted my family to experience in terms of being compassionate, being engaged and treating my patients the way I would like to be treated. Or I would like my family members to be treated. So in a nutshell, that's been my journey. And it's, it's been quite the adventure and a lot of fun. And I've, I've been involved in a lot of different aspects of holistic medicine, teaching and you know, working with companies and trying to bring these concepts into corporations and government agencies and you know, doing as much as I can. And I, I, I really see, feel now in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic that it's more important than ever to be healthy, that we have to take charge of our health and well-being to the best of our ability because a, a healthy, functioning, effective immune system will destroy anything. And we, that's the truth. That's how we survived as human beings, as a species, as a human family, because we have such a, a strong and vibrant immune system. 
So I've been helping people <laughs> to recapture that under that wisdom and that knowledge and to take better care of their health because it's more important now than ever to do that. And I think more people are because it's so frightening, the notion of this pandemic and how it's impacted us. But there is hope because I'm, I'm reading, I've been following in the media, several countries are now offering and distributing sub nutritional supplements. Oh. They discovered that the important role, the critical role of vitamin D and other nutritional uh, nutrients play in terms of boosting the immune system and the role the deficiency plays. So it's a really good time, I think, for holistic medicine. People are more open than ever and they're willing to listen and it's not woo-woo because this is our history as human beings. We come out from the tradition of sacred science and holistic medicine. So it's, it's been quite the journey and uh, I'm looking forward to the next chapter, I should say. Yeah, that is, it is an amazing journey and, and really quite an amazing time to be where we are right now and experience yes. all the different things around COVID and, and all of that. And I remember you had some, um, some very specific supplements we could take for our immune system. Um, do you want to recap some of those? Sure. Well, in general, we know just not in terms of clinical experience, but in terms of the research that certain nutrients and their deficiencies impact the immune system. We have over 70 years of research that shows the effectiveness of vitamin C, for example, going all the way back to polio. Vitamin C cured polio, but we wanted the vaccine, so never mind. I hate to say it like that, but that's basically what happened in medical science, where there was clear you know, documentation of its effectiveness. So vitamin C has been used for, for decades to help treat vi uh, viral infections and bacterial infections. And we know in terms of the research, all the pandemics that we've experienced, specifically in the last 20 years, H1N1, Ebola, Zika, swine flu, bird flu, all those flus have been treated with vitamin C and, and have been very helpful. Also, vitamin D deficiency plays a significant role in terms of our risk of developing all types of infections as well as chronic diseases. Specifically, we've learned in the last probably 10 years that vitamin D deficiency is the main reason we have a influenza season because we're indoors and our vitamin D levels drop and that's why we get sick. I personally haven't been sick in five years in terms of having a cold or the flu because I started taking vitamin D and I've been taking supplements for 30 years prior, but I would get sick every three, four months. And once I read the literature, the studies about vitamin D and its protective role, I started taking it and I have not been sick. What we know specifically related to COVID-19 is that vitamin D deficiency is a significant risk factor for the infection as well as for the severity of, of the infection. So the lower your vitamin D level, the greater the disease expresses itself, the more sicker you get. So that's why some countries such as England, Scotland, and certain Scandinavian countries 
are now distributing vitamin D to vulnerable populations. In terms of COVID, we also know that zinc deficiency, selenium deficiency, and magnesium deficiencies are also risk factors and drivers. So those supplements have been used in addition to vitamin C and D in certain studies and found to be found to be protective. There was a study that came out of Singapore a few months ago that made the determination. And these were very small, low amounts of, of these supplements. They weren't high dosage, but they did make a significant difference. So I'm very hopeful. And it, I hate to say this, but I just will go on and tell the truth. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me that this isn't at the forefront of our public health agenda and that we're waiting for a vaccine that hasn't been proven, that, that we don't know the long-term effects when we could just simply give people supplements and encourage healthy lifestyles that will be far more potent and helpful to our That's can you hear me? Because I think my connection got unstable. Can you hear me? We can now. Okay. Dr. Elaine, are you familiar with Dr. Stella Emanuel here in Texas? No, I'm not, Stella. She's saying the same thing that you're saying. She was originally mm. from, I want to say, Cameroon, one of the African countries, she has a practice in Houston, Texas, and she is saying the same thing that you're saying. It's about our vitamins and supplements to boost our immune system. Wait a minute. Was she the doctor out of Houston that's been using hydroxychloroquine? I didn't know her name, but I've seen her. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I understand she successfully... Uh, challenge, she says successfully overcame a challenge uh, uh, to her license in terms Correct. of what she was doing. So yeah, I do, I do know who, who we were talking about. Yes. So it's nice to hear from, from two different doctors in two different parts of the country saying what we need to do as not just Americans, but the world. And I'm so encouraged when you tell me that England is giving, giving supplements to at-risk populations. And I'm hoping that's something that maybe can start in our own nation because we, we don't want anybody to suffer from this when, the, when help is so obviously easy, but yeah. there's the financial barrier. I can't tell you <laughs> how much uh, unfortunately, the significant impact the pharmaceutical com companies have on our public health agenda and how treatments that should be probably secondary are primary instead of just promoting health. So you're, I totally agree with you. But the good news is, is that there are a lot of physicians, thousands are coming forward now saying that we really need to take a different perspective right. and look at promoting health primarily, first and foremost, in the midst of this pandemic. So I'm much more hopeful than I've been in a long time when I see this outpouring that's not being reported in the media for understandable reasons, but that is definitely present on the internet. And people 
I've just noticed that people are more, much more open these days to these to the possibilities of nutritional supplements and other approaches to support their health. It's really been quite quite refreshing to see that. Yeah. Another finally. thing that that I that your story reminds me of is um, a, a also a doctor. Her name is Neshla Joy. Deva, and she is um, a practitioner of yoga in the true sense of yoga, not just the asanas, not just the, you know, go to the studio and have that fit body, but the true union of, of body, mind, and spirit. And mm-hmm. um, are you familiar with her? No, I'm not, but she sounds like another soul sister. <laughs> she is, because she had a similar experience that you described. She was in medical school and she had reached that um, phase in her journey where she was in rotations at a hospital. And she said that she went into a, a woman's room. This is 20, 30 years ago. She went into a, a, a middle-aged woman's room. This woman had cancer and she was pregnant and she had five or six Ooh. little children already at home. And so Neshla talks about how um, she's looking at the chart and she's got this barrier of paperwork between her and the patient, right? And she's supposed to do specific, um, um, a specific protocol in the examination and then she's supposed to move on, right? But this lady breaks down and Neshla says that she climbed into the bed with her, into the hospital mm. bed with her and just held her and let her cry. And then her name came over the loudspeaker because she was had gotten off of track, right? Off of that path. And she was called into her supervisor's office and lectured and told that she would be removed from the program if she ever did anything again. And she decided right then and there that Western medicine was not going to be her route. She ended up going to India and studying in an ashram. Mm. And she talks a lot about what you're saying, the spirit and the body connection and healings and, and what we're supposed to do with this wonderful creation of a body that we have and how we're supposed to live. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. I, you made me think of one particular experience I had during my internship. And I'll just make a very long story short. I had a, a I was on the, the wards and I had, we had, we admitted a baby who may have been three, two to three months old and she was critically ill. And nobody, we couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And she was in a coma, so we admitted her to the intensive care unit. I think it was the second day of her admission, when we still hadn't figured out what was going on with her. I was sitting in the unit, and I saw her mother walk into the unit with the nurse. The nurse was guiding her to the baby's bed, which was in the middle of the room. And this was a, a large room with probably 15 beds in there. There were all these, you know, machines going off and monitors, and there's a lot of noise. It's very disconcerting because it's just like this, you know, for me. So I saw the mother walking towards the baby's bed, and I could see how she was being overwhelmed by this room. So she got to the baby's bed, and then we went on rounds, and the doctors, my the group I was with, the attending and the fellow and another resident, 
we're talking to the mother and the mother was just not responsive because she was so overwhelmed. I could see it. And so we, we, we left her and we went in to, to, to our meeting. And since I'm the low person on the totem pole, I do all the scut work. The resident looks at, the fellow looks at me and says, do a drug test on the baby. Oh. And I said, why? So the mother's clearly on drugs. I'm like, no, she's not. She's overwhelmed. I mean, I could see, and I, and I explained what I just did to you and Dr. Wendy, and they totally dismissed me and said, do it, because we told you to do it. And I said, well, I'll do it because I have to do it, but it's going to be negative. I promise you. <laughs> Two days later, it was negative. The baby had viral meningitis. That was the problem. But I was told, even though I was right, <laughs> I was told that I wasn't a team player mm. and that I needed to learn how to become a team player or I was going to have a hard time with my career. And they were absolutely correct because I wasn't. Because I wasn't, they told me it's not, you should not be an advocate for your patients. It is more important for you to be a team player. And I'm thinking, sorry, what BS is this? This is not what I signed <laughs> what, up for. What team are and we this is on? what happens. And as I said at the beginning, when I was talking about medical school and the idealism that medical students come enter school with, by the end of the first year, it's beat out of them. And this is the, the challenge that, that all doctors face is how do you maintain your humanity in the midst of a very dehumanizing system? That's unfortunately what it is because it's so scientific, which is, that's the whole nother conversation. Science isn't scientific. Science is based on dogma, primarily, which guides the scientific process. The scientific process can be easily manipulated as we've seen ad infinitum in terms of drug tests and outcomes. And we can prove whatever we want to prove, but that's a whole nother, I, I'm sorry, I'm digress. But the whole point of what I was trying to say is that the dehumanizing process for, phys for, for physicians and training takes its toll on our humanity. And we have, physicians have the highest level of, of suicide, depression, anxiety, and burnout. And I know now, I just saw an article <laughs> yesterday about burnout and post-traumatic stress disorder among nurses and physicians during COVID. I know it's off the charts because the, the pandemic in itself is so horrific. Plus the system that they find themselves in is equally horrific in yeah. terms of the interruption of our humanity and our compassion and our empathy. Yeah. It, it is. And then you know, you bring up some points about like, there is no connection to health and, you know, like our favorite topic of, of our higher self. And, you know, where's that balance? How do we find that balance between, um, you know, the divineness of us all and the, the, the health system that we, we find ourselves in? Well, as I said earlier, our history as human beings in terms of our humanity and our ancestral lineages around the world, everyone else, everybody knows the truth. And we've, had, we've always recognized the sacred connection and its role in our lives and in our health and well-being. That's 
a done deal for us as human beings. Western medicine, because of the conflict between the Catholic Church and science, made a decision, it cut a deal. The church and the scientists, well, they weren't even called scientists back then, but the, the people who were exploring the human body and studying the human body, they made an agreement. You all, the church, have the soul and the mind, and we have the body. And it was just such a BS agreement because there's no separation in truth. And as long as we focus on just the physical, we're in trouble because we will never be able to produce health and we'll produce profits and all those other things. But in the clear, true, truest sense of the word, we won't be able to, to do that. But the good news is, is there has been such a great uh, effort from many physicians over the last 30 years, especially the last 20 years, to integrate more holistic approaches, engaging the mind and body and the spirit, that we're just seeing the vestiges of this Western allopathic, almost said deranged, that's so bad, <laughs> devitalizing approach. I'm sorry. I'm so free. It just comes up. Uh, but it's, Stop laughing, Wendy. <laughs> she knows me so well. So I, I, I say I have spiritual Tourette's. That's the truth. It's just what comes up. Thank God it comes out. <laughs> but that's the truth. It is deranged in the sense that it doesn't honor the mind and the body and the spirit primarily. So I do think it's going to change. It, it's not sustainable. We just can't keep giving drugs and, and diagnostics. And now we're doing telemedicine. We don't even see patients anymore. We don't even get a chance to engage as humans. It's, it's ridiculous. So it's yeah. gonna change. It is changing. And I, and I believe we will recapture our ancient traditions of healing and connection and empathy because that's medicine in and of itself. It makes such a difference. I mean, ultimately what I'm to be true is that love heals and when you love yourself and you love your patients it creates such a powerful presence for them to consider and open themselves to the possibility of healing that they may have never considered before i also know that just listening to patients and talking to them has distinguished my myself as a physician in comparison to many of my colleagues, because I've made all kinds of diagnoses that nobody else did, and I'm not brilliant. I just listened, and I didn't make assumptions. I just listened as carefully as I could to what my patients told me, and I also honestly paid attention to my intuition. But listening to people instead of saying, oh, well, no, you have this, because you this is what the textbook says, that's what happens. And we don't listen to our patients in terms of the side effects they're experiencing, the symptoms they're experiencing. So we just try to fit them into that diagnostic box and move on to the next person. And it doesn't, it doesn't serve them. And they know it. So that's, that's my hope that these things will change and, our, and will continue to change. So we have more humanity and we have more healing and more health, most importantly, that uh, that because I think health is our greatest wealth. You're not healthy. <laughs> you can forget it. You know, in terms of having 
the fullness of life and being able to fulfill your dreams and your hopes and your aspirations and your mission. You can't do it if you're not healthy. It's or as effectively or as fully. I'll put it like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, what I love so much about the book that you wrote called Super Healing is that you just you really did a beautiful job of, of speaking to us about the journey that we're all on, both here on earth in life, but that also the journey toward our optimal health. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, thank you. Um, Super Healing is my second book on holistic medicine. And it came about for two reasons. It came about because PBS said we need a new book because the other book is 20 years old. And it can't, it more significantly, it came out of my frustration in terms of my experience in holistic medicine in that world because most of our patients, most of my patients were still in the allopathic mindset. So they just wanted me to fix them with a new bag of tricks, basically. And that I found that to be very frustrating. And I've also found the world of holistic medicine and alternative medicine to be just a half a step or two steps ahead of allopathic in a sense that was still very fragmented and still very treatment focused in terms of fixing and not promoting optimal health and well-being. And I used to have these conversations with a very dear friend of mine. And he would say, well, why are you so frustrated? You're a holistic doctor. And, I, and, and that helped me to articulate what I knew to be true, which I mentioned earlier, is the fact that we are, have such an amazing, magnificent mind, body, and spirit. I cannot fully express the awe that I held, that I discovered when I was in medical school that I still hold. It is, I just, when I really think about the human body, I just, oh my God, you are just a bad mamma jamma, you know, in terms of what, what was designed. We were designed to have optimal health. That's our normal. Illness is not our normal. And the whole, we were designed to function with ease. We use the term in medicine, homeostasis, which is kind of stupid. That means you're just static. No, we are homeodynamic and oh, we're like homeo-vibrant. That. That's how the body really works. Yes, if there's a vibrancy and a vitality that's expressed when we give our body what it needs and our mind and spirit as well that's the foundation of all good health and, and radiant health and well-being as well as healing. And that's why I wrote the book and the term super healing, I think very easily and succinctly captures the truth that we really are super healers. We all have this capacity. We think we're just disease prone, you know, OLD and, you know, I got this disease because it runs in my family and I'm going to die because of COVID. I'll, and I just tell people, stop it. Recognize we have so much going on that's functioning well that we don't, we take for granted because we hold this mindset that we're less than. But when we really come into understanding the magnificence of our creation, the indomitability of our human spirit, the fact that anything can be healed 
if we give it the chance, then everything's possible for us if we just allow that to happen and do the easy thing, which is allow it to work as it function as it should. The hard part is getting sick. That's the difficult. It's, it's when we understand how our thoughts in, interact with our body and how to pay attention to it, because we all know how we feel when we're really feeling well. And we all know how we feel when we're distressed. We just dismiss it. Yeah. But those are the messages that our body gives us to let us know it's out of order. And when it's in order, it functions with ease and it functions dynamically and it takes care of us. And all the notions that we have about, well, this runs in my family and you know, I'm at risk because of my age and all those things are just not true. They're true because we believe them to be true. But when we change our minds, when we when we make choices to allow the truth of who we are to come forth in terms of how we allow our body to function and how we support it, it makes all the difference in the world. I believe the most important ingredient to our health and well-being is to love ourselves. I don't believe it. I know it. We can do all the right things. And we do, and you all know what I'm talking about because I know you've had these experiences on your journey. I'm exercising and I'm doing my asanas and I'm doing, I'm taking my supplements and I'm doing all those right things, but I don't feel optimally healthy because you don't love yourself. And until you fully love and accept yourself as for the magnificence that you are, you can have good health, but you will not have vibrant ultimate optimal and radiant health and well-being because love is the key ingredient. And that's why I think this, this pandemic is so deadly and so dangerous. It's not the infection that's going to be the ultimate killer. It's going to be our isolation and the absence of human interaction, which is so it's food for our soul. It's so important. And we have to find a way. I read a, a couple of days ago, I read an, uh, an op-ed by a physician who said, we have to find a way to understand that despite everything that's happened with COVID, and he's specifically talking about the United States, despite everything that's happened for eight months, and people being constantly told the risk on a daily basis that many are willing to risk their lives to see their loved ones. And we have to honor and respect that and figure out how to, how to advise people in terms of what to do to minimize the risk of contracting the infection. Instead of just saying, oh, y'all need to sit home and just, just cancel this year's Thanksgiving. Just do it with your family members at home. That's not going to work. And I unfortunately must predict that within the next four to six weeks, we're going to see more, more surges uh, because people are not, are, are not going to pay attention because we're lonely and we miss our loved ones. I know I do. And I'm trying to figure out how I can do it, um, you know, safely and effectively but I, and, and and there's things that we can do and I, and I know the vitamins do play a big part but we can also you know use UV lights and 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 filters and other things that can 
help to protect our homes. So that's, you know, that's where we are in terms of what's going on right now. You know, I just, as you were talking, it, it occurred to me, we've been so focused on, you know, this idea of inheriting genes from our parents, our ancestor line, but we forget, I mean, well, or, or maybe uh, this is a, a, a different thought out there, but, you know, who is our original family? I mean, God is our original family. And so why don't we focus on what we've inherited from him? I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Who did you say our original family? A God. Yes, yes, yay. Our original <laughs> family, you know, and it's like, I think I'd rather focus on that inheritance. <laughs> yes. Um, it all boils down to love. Um, in a sense, right? If we, if we are in love, then we can look at things that might cause fear or things that might cause disease, but we see it through the eyes of love. So like I look at COVID and all of this stuff and it's like, that doesn't feel like my story because I'm not connected to that fear. Um, totally agree. You're absolutely right. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are eternal. This is a little chapter, you know, in our eternal experience. So you're absolutely right. If we focus on our original parent, our divine parent, mother, father, God, or God, or goddess, whatever we want to call that divine being, I'm good with, because I have multiple names, depending on how I'm feeling. There That's is. the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Because when we focus on our divine nature, those divine aspects come forth into our bodies and fortify them and strengthen them. I know that's the truth, because I've seen it happen in my life over and over and over again. So you're absolutely correct. And one thing I want to share that you prompted, I mean, remember, Wendy, I was watching a, a few weeks ago, Agape um, out of California, their Sunday service. Mm -hmm. And Reverend Michael Beck was talking about something very interesting, because I know this is true. And what you said about fear is so true. A lot of what I know is driving COVID has been the fear that's been media generated. I'll just leave it at that. And so people are so afraid that they're going to get it, that that helps them to get it. And I've seen that happen with a few people I know, because whatever we fear, come on, yeah. you know, come on down, come on in. It, it visits us. But Reverend Michael talked about, um, I can't, Dachi Emoto. Do you know who Dachi Emoto is? He's the one who did message from the water, who took yeah. pictures, had this certain technology where he could take pictures of water that had been frozen after words had been placed on the bottles or took water from polluted areas and, and the, the words that were divine in nature and uplifting and loving had produced beautiful crystal photographs and the polluted water and the words of harm produced it's just distorted ugly pictures and so he said that Dachimoto passed away a few years ago and long story short, the, his 
the person who's taking over his work, his new, the new researcher said, when COVID happened, initially they took COVID, the word COVID and put it on a bottle of water to see what kind of crystals they, what kind of pictures they would get. And the pictures weren't that bad, but then they took COVID and fear and big surprise, not really, it came out very toxic. So this is driven by fear to a large degree. My day job is with the Postal Service and I can tell you the first few months, February and January, when people were returning from China and there was all the information going on about quarantine, if you came back, I literally felt like I was a suicide hotline. I was talking managers off of the off of ledges because they were so afraid about getting this infection. It was unbelievable. I mean, you're gonna have a stroke and a heart attack before you get this infection, you know. And I didn't say it quite like that, but I, you know, I, I did my best to talk them down because they were so distressed. Yeah. Theologically, it was very, very unhealthy. And I think that's, I mean, I know that's continued. It's, not as intense as it initially was and it's changed a little bit but it's still people are still on, on some levels very worried and very afraid and are are not as you said they're, they're living in fear and they're not living in faith and trust so what i do often i bless covid i'm like hey bless you god bless you you know i i do because whatever we bless blesses us back and viruses exist for a purpose. We know, and, and this is not something that's not often discussed in, in the media, virus, viral infections can help to protect us from other things. For example, we know that people who lived, had measles as children have a lower incidence of heart disease. Hmm. Yes, we also know I learned this in medical school, and I've never heard anyone else talk about this recently. Mm. When children experience influenza, have a case of the flu, they have a few weeks later what we call a developmental leap, meaning something happens in their brains that helps them to function better in terms of their learning. Wow. So it's not just these infections exist to kill us they provide other benefits that we're not a fully, that the public isn't fully aware of. Right. Um, yeah, that's, I'm not saying they all do, but some of them have, and it's, it's documented and known in medicine. But we just don't share that information because we're so good at helping to contribute to the fear so we can get people to take those vaccines, unfortunately, and do those things that, you know, in lockstep that may not always be beneficial in the long run, when we can do some other things. That's like wow, that, that just, that takes, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> and let me just also add this. We know there was a military study that was conducted and, and reported in the literature in January in vaccine, the journal called Vaccine. The military, I believe it was the army, wanted to see what happened to their personnel who received influenza vaccines, if there were any unintended consequences. And they found, which confirmed a pre previous study with children that, and we haven't heard this on the news either, unfortunately, the influenza vaccine increased their risk of developing two other viral infections. And one was coronavirus infections, 
this was before COVID-19, and metanumavirus infections. So mm -hmm. it actually increased the risk of developing these infections. Yeah, despite the campaign. Excuse me? It's like, it's almost like you're giving yourself, oh, it's like you're giving yourself a dose of immunity by helping the body tune in to what it can work against, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Well, but let me explain this about the, the immune system. You have, we have three lines of defense. The first one is at the barrier level, at the skin and the linings within the, 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 the um, respiratory system and the intestinal tract. If you have a really strong immune system, it doesn't even let it in. So, I mean, it, it blocks the entry of these, you know, these, what we call pathogens. So if it, so if you really are healthy, it does that. There's no trace he ever even tried to get in or got in. Your body does that. That's the first line of defense. The second line of defense is when if something gets in, if your immune system is strong enough, it recognizes it as, as an invader and it just kills it. It doesn't create specific antibodies to kill specifically this infection. It just kills it. So there's it's what we call um, innate immunity. And then at the third level, if the first two levels didn't work, then we have what's called adaptive immunity, meaning the immune system recognizes this as something it needs to really address. And that's when the antibody production for that specific infection happens. Hmm. That's what happens in general. And that's why the vaccines and other approaches in terms of immunotherapy are focused at developing antibodies. However, and this is a big however, what we know about COVID and coronavirus infections, as well as a few others, is that there's another part of our immune system that's more important. It's our T cells that they just kill it off. They don't make antibodies. They don't need antibodies. And what, we, what we've discovered specifically related to this infection is that certain antibodies are harmful. And they, they cause the, the higher the level of antibodies in people, which we've always believed to be a good thing, causes more severe disease and symptoms. So it's the opposite of what we normally know. And I'm quite concerned because the vaccines are focusing on a particular protein, a spike protein. And I just read a couple of weeks ago, that's the main protein that causes this antibody production that's harmful. So we have, yeah, it's, it's quite concerning uh, in that regard that this, this may backfire ultimately yeah. in terms of it not providing um, the, the, the protection that we hoped it would. And let me just add this and I'm gonna get off of COVID. <laughs> the vaccine itself, and this has not been I don't think shared fully in the media, the vaccine itself does not prevent the infection and it does not prevent transmission of the infection. The purpose of the vaccine is to create the antibodies with the hope that when a person who's received the vaccine is exposed to the infection, it will reduce the severity of their symptoms. 
Okay. Hmm. It's not going to prevent the infection. That's not the intention or purpose because we've tried for 20 years to create a coronavirus beginning with SARS for humans and couldn't. We have been unsuccessful. I mean, we SARS and MERS. Hmm? We still don't even have a cure for the cold. <laughs> the, old, the common cold, you know? Very Except true. vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc and magnesium. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Wow. That's wow. why it's important to stay healthy now more than ever. I don't know when the vaccine will. I don't, I'm going to say this one last thing and I'm really done. But I, I just, people keep asking me, you know, what do I think? So I have to really be up on it for my day job as well as for my family and friends. But I did some research last night and I read the actual clinical trial for Moderna. And what struck me, really struck me, is that the clinical trial, the phase three clinical trial began July 2020. Last week when Moderna, or earlier this week, they reported positive outcomes, right? On their, in their press release. Whatever the that actual is. date the trial ends, guess when that is? Just uh, give me a about five years. Mm -hmm. In about five You're years. Close. 2022. So I'm like, October 2022 is when this trial is scheduled to end. So like, wait a minute. We're three months, four months into the trial. And we're reporting an outcome, but it doesn't end until like two years. This makes no sense. I've never seen anything like this, honestly. It's just, yeah, it's mind boggling. Times. Wow, wow, wow. We could go on and on. <laughs> on this yes, topic. we could. <laughs> but um, we like to, we like to do a, a piece in our podcast where it's kind of like, we call it moments with our higher self. And so where we can do just kind of practical things where we can tap into this idea of connecting uh, with our higher self. And you've already given lots and lots of examples of that. Maybe you could kind of recap your top two or three or five um, things that we could do from a health perspective to, to stay connected to our higher self. I think the most important thing we can do to stay connected, first and foremost, as I said earlier, is to love ourselves. And that for many sounds either selfish, jealous, or unattainable. But the truth really is, is that that love is already present. And once we begin to remove the barriers that interrupt that flow in terms of our beliefs and our experiences, our wounds, our painful memories, then that comes forth you know, in much fuller expression. So I say the first thing is to not only love yourself, but to acknowledge that you're worthy of it. Most of us don't think so because we've been convinced that we're just, you know, whatever, fill in the blank that we're not worthy of love, but we are created in love and we are loved by the divine, no matter what we do. So that's the most important thing I would recommend. Secondly, I think it's very important 
what I've learned many years ago, the beginning of our healing journey really is paying attention to our bodies because we're all, you know, we're in our heads, we're out in the world, you know, we don't pay attention. The body whispers, Wendy, Zella, I'm tired, you know, it whispers and we ignore it. Then it gets, it speaks louder, you know, I'm really tired. And then we push through that, then we're exhausted and it yells at us like, hey, take the weekend off, you know, and we don't do that. And then much to our great surprise, we're visited with a dis-ease that makes us take the time off that we wouldn't. So really paying attention to our bodies and listening to those whispers when they happen is so important. I just lost a very dear friend who was a colleague who wouldn't, who, who, who we're working Our connections breaking up again. And I kept saying, dude, take a break. You're just working too hard. And bless his heart, he was so good with job and developed cancer. Are we better? Yeah. Is it a little better? Yes. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah, thanks to wireless. Um, so paying attention, listening, you know, really listening, loving ourselves, paying attention, acknowledging the truth when we hear it attention, awareness, appreciation, appreciating ourselves is very important. Yeah. You know, we don't appreciate ourselves because we're telling ourselves all these, you know, negative things about how OLD, how ugly, how whatever we are that we feel less than. So we have to appreciate ourselves as we are, you know, in these moments, that makes a difference. So, and, and just taking a few minutes each day, I learned to do this a few years ago consistently, and it's made a tremendous difference. Just making a few minutes each day to be with myself and to acknowledge my higher self through meditation, prayer, reading you know, beautiful affirmative materials. It makes all the difference. I, I meditated for all of my adult life whenever I felt like it, <laughs> but I made a commitment five years ago to do it every day and three months into it my husband said to me uh, I have a favor to ask and I said well honey he says would you never stop meditating <laughs> I said why he said you are so much nicer <laughs> and it was true he did god bless him he's so honest because I was, I meditate every morning on unconditional love and it makes a difference. It's changed my brain truly. So those, those are the top things I, I would recommend Dr. Wendy. Oh, that's just beautiful. So, and, and yeah, it's like, they're so simple yet so profound. They are so powerful. Divine is very simple. We make it complicated because our inquiring minds want some adventure, but we really don't need it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Elaine. I'm just grateful that, that you're willing to take time to share with us uh, this such important information. And, and we're so excited we get to have you back too to talk about another area that's near and dear to our hearts. Yes. My so pleasure. yeah. Thank you, Dr. Elaine, for joining us today. And listeners, you can tune into your higher self by reading her book, or we can also recommend 
um, Neshla Joy Deva's book. We'll put those in our show notes. Um, so where to purchase Dr. Elaine's book and how to also, did you, did I have this right? You appeared on PBS at one point. Are those, are those shows still available? Yes, yes, we have uh, Super Healing Secrets online. You can watch it anytime for free. I'll, I'll send Wendy the link. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us in the tent. And thank you, listeners. And stay healthy and love yourself and meditate. And there we go. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. We hope you've been uplifted by this episode. Please help us uplift others by sharing, subscribing, and reviewing our show. Join in on the conversation by adding your insights and transformations in the comments section. See you next time.